Mark 6 and verse number 1. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says this so. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. Because Jesus could preach. Let me tell you. I can't, I can't. Anyway, Jesus is the word. Hallelujah. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence had this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? Wisdom is given, by the way. Oh, boy. Uh, godly wisdom, that is. Which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. And this is where it gets interesting right here. But they said, watch this. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Just in case you didn't know, he had sisters. And they were, watch this now, offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without what, saints? A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own king, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work. It doesn't say that he would not. It says that he could not. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject honor. If you can put my first slide up there, my title slide. Listen to my subtitle today. It's you receive on the level that you honor. You receive on the level that you honor. Amen. I'm glad the young people are with me on today. Hallelujah. Hear this word. You can receive this. This will help you. Amen. You receive on the level that you honor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the word in advance. We understand that your word never comes to you or returns unto you void, but it does that thing in which you send it out to do. So let the word land, hallelujah, on good ground today so that it can produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. Lord God, minister to your people in a mighty way. And we thank you, Lord God, in advance for what you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, and the church said... Amen and amen. How many of you in this place know that God shows up in the place of sacrifice? I said he shows up in the place of sacrifice. Not only does he show up in the place of sacrifice, he shows up in the place of service. I didn't get one amen right there. I said he shows up in the place of service. Not only does he show up in the place of sacrifice and service, he shows up in the place of worship. I said he shows up in the place of worship. And not only does he show up in the place of worship, he shows up in the place of generosity. He shows up in the place of gratitude. He shows up in the place, watch this now, of thankfulness. And just in case you did not know, all these, watch this, are basically saying God shows up in the place of honor. Because when you're worshiping, you're honoring. When you're serving, you're honoring. When you're sacrificing, you're honoring. When you're giving, you're honoring. When you're thanking, you are honoring. Amen, somebody. 
God will always show up in the place of honor, hallelujah, but he will not, listen to me, he will not support a spirit of dishonor. I said God will never support a spirit of dishonor. And just in case you didn't know, hallelujah, that spirit of dishonor will shut the heavens over you. I said a spirit of dishonor will shut the heavens over you. Let me submit to you that we cannot come in here, uh, shout for a little while, and then leave this place and adapt, watch this, a culture that is anti-Christ, anti-kingdom, hallelujah, and expect heaven to come down. It will not come down because you have adapted the wrong culture. And you do not have the capacity to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, hallelujah, because you have adapted the wrong culture. And honor is not the culture of this world. It is the culture of the kingdom of God. Are you hearing this, teacher? Watch this. Let me say this to you very quickly. We need to teach honor. God, help me in here today. I said we need to teach honor because, watch this, we are raising uh, a young generation that is rebellious, neck popping, finger snapping, finger throwing, disobedient generation. Unlike anything that we have ever seen before. And here's the thing, hallelujah. It is a learned behavior. And so what that means is that we are raising them. And so watch this. We raise them. And then after we raise them 10 years, 20 years later, they are your mayor. They are your president. They are your leaders. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And I'll submit to you, hallelujah, it's amazing the amount of dishonor that you see in the world today. There are reality TV shows today that are built for the sole purpose of people dishonoring each other. Hallelujah. Listen, when... when uh, when, when you got TV shows, you know it's bad when you got TV shows where we need to go on TV to put all our family business out there. Where we need to, where we need to display our dysfunction for people's entertainment. Where we need a show on TV to entertain everybody so we can find out who the baby's daddy is. And so we, listen, we put shows on TV so that we can, we put paternal tests on TV to promote dysfunction. And so you got the dysfunction of a man and a woman. He don't know if he's the daddy. She's, she either knows or she's confused. And then we get the significant other or the insignificant other, whatever you want to call it. I would say the other dysfunction. Invite them into the room, watch this, to set up the stage for a fight. And then for one hour, we entertain ourselves by watching two people totally dishonor each other. Oh God, have mercy in here. Watch this, we get mad at a political system that's full of people who get hired to find dirt on the other candidate so that during the whole campaign, all they do is dishonor one another. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? But here's the reality. We raised them. You got all kinds of crazy, crude videos being posted today on social media. The media loves to display dishonor. Late night talk shows love to dishonor in the name of comedy. Come on, somebody. And then we wonder why heaven can't come down. We wonder why the miraculous doesn't take place. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And what we need to understand, and you've heard me say this before, is that mentality hinders the anointing. I said mentality hinders the anointing. And I'm going to prove it through this text in just a minute. Just let me build a foundation here for this series. Amen, somebody. Culture can hinder the anointing. I said a culture of dishonor can hinder the anointing from flowing. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about since we're talking about a young generation right now. On one occasion, Jesus goes to a man named Jairus' house because his daughter is sick and is dying. Jesus is on the way to the house, hallelujah. When he gets close, Jairus' servants come to Jesus and say, you know, trouble the master no more for the girl is dead. And Jesus looks at him, hallelujah, and says, uh, do not fear, only believe. Let's keep going to your house. Jesus gets to the house and they have professional mourners in the house. Professional mourners. I couldn't even believe that when I, when I read it, that they would hire people to cry. But they had professional mourners in the house. Jesus gets there. Watch this. Jesus sees the little girl and he makes this statement. She's not dead. She's asleep. And they start laughing. I said they start laughing. And watch this. Their laughing was a dishonor. To the word. He said, this was, the, Jesus is the word. He said, she's not dead. She's asleep. And they laughed. And so what does Jesus do with that mentality? He knows that if he, if he lets or allows that mentality to stay there, he probably would not be able to raise her because mentality hinders the anointing. And I'm going to prove it. Just stay with me. So what does he do with that mentality? He gets rid of it. He says, all of you who don't believe, get out. And when he removes that kind of mentality, he speaks to the little girl and he raises her up. Are you in this place, church? In other words, what that is telling us is if we produce honor, he will do mighty works. If we produce honor, he will step into the room. He will step into the situation and he will bring healing and deliverance. Hallelujah. Can I help you in here? Have you ever wondered why God ain't stepping into your marriage to fix it? Or to help bridge the gap? Or to help bring healing? It's because, hallelujah, there is dishonor present. And heaven says, watch this, dishonor shuts heaven to you. Oh God, help me in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, heaven says, I'm not going to participate where there is dishonor present. When I see the kingdom, I'll step in. When I see the kingdom in operation, I will step in. But as long as I see dishonor, because you can't expect God to step into a situation when all you're doing is dis dishonoring each other with your actions and with your words. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And so it is in any relationship. Are you blessed in here? Mm. That's never going to work. Listen, we are, we are dishonest to each other's face. And if we're not dishonest to, to each other's face, you know what we do? We talk about each other behind our back or behind the other person's back to save face. To make that other person look like the bad one and the one that's got the problem. But what you fail to realize is that you're one flesh. And if you're one flesh, when you talk about your partner, you're really talking about yourself. Because when you talk negative to me about your partner, it lets me know a lot about who you are. Because you don't cover each other. Yeah, I better not turn this into a marriage seminar because it might not, it might not be good. The challenge in the scripture, watch this, is first, watch this, you have to be able to honor the anointing on your life before you can go ahead and value the gift in another person's life. This is why God says, watch this, the first challenge is love God. In other words, honor God. And then it says, love your neighbor or honor your neighbor, watch this. As thyself. 
honor them like you honor yourself. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. If you don't see the value in yourself, you cannot see the value in others. In other words, if you don't value it, you won't honor it. Let me say that one more time. If you don't value it, you will not honor it. You cannot reach people you do not value. I said you cannot reach people you do not value. If you're with me in here, shout glory. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me talk to you a little bit about the anointing. For those of you who perhaps are not familiar with the anointing, the word anointing is a very churchy word. You only hear that word in the church. You're not going to hear that word uh, out there in the world. Hallelujah. But to make it very simple, the anointing is simply an empowerment. It is a power that comes upon you from God. When you have an anointing from God, the anointing makes what you do look easier than it is. Uh, if you preach with a heavy anointing, you preach better. You preach stronger. If you sing with a heavy anointing on you, you're going to sing better. You're going to sing stronger. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When, when, when you play your instrument with a heavy anointing upon your life, hallelujah, you're going to play with more power. Are you hearing me in this place? But let me, let me submit something to you about the anointing. When an anointing is flowing, hallelujah, the challenge is that you have to respond at that moment because the anointing lifts. When there is an anointing that is flowing, the challenge is for you to respond at that moment because the anointing lifts. I don't care how spiritual you say or you think you are, you are not anointed 24 hours a day. I wish I had some. God, help me in here. I said you're not anointed 24 hours a day. The anointing lifts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If God is flowing through me, amen, while I'm preaching and you sense a strong anointing, hallelujah, and I make an altar call and I begin to lay hands, hallelujah, and people begin to be touched and received, and healed, hallelujah. The challenge was that you needed to respond at that moment, hallelujah. Because if you don't respond at that moment, that anointing will lift. Can I, when, I'm, when I'm at the park with my children, having a good time, hallelujah. And I'm being dad, at that moment, I'm not being pastor. And so I can't, listen, at that moment, I don't need an anointing because, could you imagine if I was anointed 24-7 and I'm in the park and I go to, 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 to pat my kid on the head and he falls out in the Holy Ghost? Or I go to hug my wife, hallelujah, and she falls out? You catch what I'm saying, hallelujah? I got God in me, but I am not God. The anointing will lift. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? And so the challenge, stay with me because I'm trying to teach now. I want to teach for a little while. Is that all right? The anointing flows. You have to sense it, respond, or it lifts. Amen. Then you have, watch this. So understand that when the anointing is flowing, it's usually flowing through the person that's ministering. It flows during worship, hallelujah, while Sister Jamie and the worship team and the musicians are ministering. It flows when I'm preaching. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the anointing flows through the individual that is ministering. God is using that individual and moving through that individual, amen? But when the glory shows up, it's not the same. When the glory shows up, you can't minister. Oh God, have mercy in here. I said when the glory shows up, because we, we think it's the same, it's not the same. When the glory shows up, you can't minister. This is why the Bible says in the Old Testament when talking about Solomon's temple, that when the glory, the Shekinah, the raw presence of God came in the room, hallelujah, the minister couldn't stand 
in the presence of God to minister. The glory was so powerful that even the minister couldn't minister. The musicians had to stop singing. I wonder if I got anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about, who's ever been in a service, hallelujah, where the glory shows up in the room. And when the glory comes in the room, the preacher got to stop. The musicians got to stop. The worship leaders got to stop. And everybody starts to bow down. And everybody starts to move, hallelujah, under the power of that glory that came in the room. One of the things the glory does is that it removes the third party. When the glory comes in, hallelujah, we don't need the minister. You, listen, you don't, you don't need to, hallelujah, uh, respond to the person that the anointing is flowing through because the glory is in the whole place. I would even dare say, hallelujah, you could be in the room and not necessarily be releasing faith, but because the glory just filled the place. You'll get hit, hallelujah, with the glory too. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. When the glory shows up in the room, nobody has to lay hands on you. For you to receive. Are you hearing me in here? And so there's the anointing, there's the glory of God, and then there's faith. Listen to me now. Faith, and let me put it to you very simple, it's you saying yes to what God said. Faith is basically you saying yes to what God is saying. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Hallelujah. So watch this. If I am preaching the word of God and I am flowing under an anointing, hallelujah, and you say yes to that word that is going forth, you are on the brink of a breakthrough. You are on the brink of something miraculous taking place in your life. You are on the brink, watch this, of deliverance, hallelujah. But that breakthrough is predicated upon your honor. Because faith requires that you honor the vessel. Oh, put my first point up there. Faith requires that you value the vessel in this case, the vessel upon which the word of God is coming through. Ooh, can I say it like I feel it? If you want the oil to flow, you have to respect the pot it comes from. Oh, you know. I said if you want the oil to flow, you have to respect the pot it comes from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Jesus. Ooh. Listen, listen. When you think about, we've been preaching on the vessels. Uh, when you think about that story about the widow woman, the Bible says that when the man of God asked her, what do you have in your house? This is what I meant when I, uh, by what, what I said. You have to, listen, honor the anointing on your own life. When the man of God asked her, what do you have in the house? She said, and I quote, nothing except this little pot of oil she saw what she had as very little she saw what she had as nothing she saw what she had as common and as long as she saw it as common she could not receive from it are you in this place hallelujah oh god have mercy in here listen whenever you make the mistake of focusing on the frailty of the container, you cheapen the value of the content. Whenever you focus, hallelujah, on the frailty of the container, I am the container, hallelujah, you cheapen the value of the content. God works through imperfect people. And if you can't look past their humanity... You will never talk, you'll never tap into the God in them. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? I'm trying to help you in here. Hallelujah. Watch this. There was a man in the Bible. His name was Uzzah. How many of you are familiar with Uzzah? The Bible says that David wanted the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, just in case you don't know, was this container that housed the glory of God. 
And David wanted that Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem. Uh, it wasn't in Jerusalem for a long time. I don't want to give you the whole story. I just want to give you the gist of the story. So David wants it back. Amen. And so they determined that they were going to bring it back. And so they did something, hallelujah, that was against uh, God's instruction. They put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They put it on an ox cart. And they had ox pushing the cart. Amen, somebody. The problem with that was that God had specifically given them instructions on how to carry his presence. It was supposed to be carried in poles on the shoulders of men. Hallelujah. You weren't supposed to lay it down. You lay down. It was supposed to be raised or lifted up. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? And so watch this. They're carrying the presence of God on this ox cart, and then they hit a bump in the road. Ever happened to anybody in here? In your journey? They hit a pothole. Watch this. And the Bible says, the Bible says that the ark began to slide. As it slid, Uzzah reaches out his hand to grab it. Anybody knows what happens to him? He dies. And, you know, most people read that story and they go, oh, that's, that's messed up. Man, he was trying to save God. Like God needs to be saved. You don't save God. God saves you. All right, so let's just get that clear first. Amen. But, but let me submit something to you about this particular story. Uzzah, without getting into the whole story, had been in the place where the presence of God, that ark was for a long time. So watch this. Uzzah was living with the Ark of the Covenant. So he was spending a lot of time with it. Here's the mistake he made. He became familiar with it. One of the worst things you could ever do is become familiar with the presence of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he became familiar with the presence of God to the point where he either forgot or just lost consciousness for a minute and did not realize how powerful the content was in that container and this is why you have to respect hallelujah even the pot that the oil flows from because even though watch this can I can I God help me in here even though you are looking at someone hallelujah who is supposed to be anointed, and like that ark, hallelujah, you see them slip, that does not automatically mean that you can deputize yourself to handle that situation. But in essence, hallelujah, you're supposed to still honor. See, we in this world, we don't understand that. We don't understand that at all, hallelujah. We think that when somebody messes up, it is our duty to deputize ourselves to publicize that. But that's not the way of the kingdom. I'm going to show you, hallelujah, in a little while. You guys still doing all right? Amen, hallelujah. Glory to God. He became familiar with it. Amen. If God gives you access, privilege, the ability, hallelujah, to, to spend time, hallelujah, with a with an individual, hallelujah, who is a mentor or somebody who is very spiritual, a, a pastor, a, an elder, somebody uh, that God gives you access to, hallelujah, you are supposed to honor that. But how many of you know that that is not for everybody because you have to be a certain kind of person in order to be able to spend time with that kind of person, hallelujah, and never get offended. Because if you hang out with anybody long enough, you're going to find something to talk about. And what you're going to find out about most of the people that God uses is simply this. They're human. They are human. Amen. I, I am not anointed 24-7. If that, that's what you're looking for, I'm going to let you, I'm going to help you out right now. That is not me. I am not anointed 24-7, 24 hours in the day. I like to laugh too. 
I'll occasionally tell a little joke. A clean one, of course, but I occasionally tell a little joke. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You get the wrong people around you, they're like, oh, my God, Pastor laughing too much. He's supposed to be holy. <laughs> Pastor's having a good time. He allowed to have a good time? Are you following what I'm saying? Because people think that you're supposed to be like, like, like you don't walk in the room like everybody else. You float in the room. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And I walked in the room just like everybody else when I came in tonight. Amen, somebody. I believe that it's because of that that God uses me. It's because I don't think, hallelujah, that I'm higher or mightier than everybody else. I understand that it's the God in me, like Mary Mary said. Oh, boy, hallelujah. I said it. Don't make me sing it. It's the, let me stop. Ah. The anointing reacts to the pull of the people. I said the, re, the anointing reacts, responds to the pull and the hunger of the people. You'll notice for those of you who have had the, 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 the privilege of sitting in, in a 9 a.m. service versus an 11 a.m. service, that even though I'm preaching the same message, both services are not the same. They're rarely the same. And the difference is the people. Because the flow is determined by the vessels. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you pull, the oil will keep flowing. As long as they brought vessels, the oil flowed. But when the vessels stop, the oil stop. And as long as there are vessels that are pulling, making room for more and wanting more and hungering for more, the oil will flow. But if you don't want it, you don't get it. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. In other words, you receive on the level that you honor. And you cannot receive, watch this, from what you review as common. I said you can't receive from what you review. If you assess a thing and determine that it is common, you can't receive from it. Because you receive on the level that you honor. And if you don't value it, you won't honor it. And then you won't receive from it. I'm still ain't in the text, but I'm just trying to build it. Amen? Are you blessed so far? Put my second point up there very quickly. And I only have three. Like, what? Pastor only has three today? Watch this. Dishonor keeps us from destiny. Dishonor keeps us from destiny. God took me to a very well-known scripture, hallelujah, in Numbers. And it is the story, hallelujah, of when the 12 spies go out to spy out the land. Amen. 12 men go out to spy out the land. And watch this. Two of those men is Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb and 10 other men go spy out the land. When these guys come back from spying out the land, 10 of them said, we cannot go into the land because there are giants in the land. Amen. And so the land is plenteous. The land has tremendous clusters of grapes, milk, and honey. It's flowing. It's a great land, but we can't go in because there's giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb said, God said, that's our land. And we are well able to take that land. As a matter of fact, those giants are bread for us. We're going to have them for breakfast is what he's saying. Hallelujah. And so watch this. They're only reiterating what God had said, that God was going to give, him, give them a land that flows with milk and honey. But when they said they couldn't, they were dishonoring the word of God that was coming through their mouth. Oh, God, help me in here. And so because they didn't honor the containers, but, oh, God, they cheapened the value of the content. And so what ended up happening is they didn't go. And they took 40 years, 40 years in the desert, wandering from or away from their destiny. Canaan was destiny. They were supposed to get there sooner. But dishonor kept them from destiny. 
God. I hope you're engaged, church. God uses imperfect people. If you cannot get past their imperfection, you cannot receive from them an impartation. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. It's amazing to me because if, if listen, if God looks past our faults in order to use us, you're going to have to look past people's faults in order to receive from them. Are you blessed in here, church? Everybody in here has an anointing from the Holy One according, according to the scriptures. But ain't nobody in here perfect. And if you think you are, come meet me after the service so we can pray. Are you in this place, church? You know something that I found? This is just my personal uh, observation. Amen? I found that people who are leaders in church, oftentimes their family members go to a different church. I don't know if anybody else has ever observed that, but people who are a pastor, let's say, in the church or a leader in the church, the family members oftentimes will go to another church. Do you know why that is? It's one word, familiarity. It is because of familiarity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me give you a biblical example. On one occasion, Moses makes a decision, amen, and his sister who is with him, Miriam, don't like the decision. She just flat out don't like it. And, and, and so she comes up to Moses and says, does God only speak through you? Does God speak through you only, Moses? I'm anointed too. God could use me like he uses you. And, and she sees him as my brother. And so she's, she's a little upset at the fact, hallelujah, that he's being used and she's not being used. Are you following what I'm saying? And so because she's familiar with him, she confronts him and dishonors him. And causes his brother to join in. Aaron. And so I love what God does. God immediately says, all three of you in the tabernacle right now. And God sends them into the tabernacle and he deals with the situation. And at the end, I don't know if you know the rest of this story, but at the end, Miriam, the one who was offended, leaves the tabernacle with leprosy. For dishonoring the container. And then she gets healed by the prayer of Moses. Moses is good. Somebody else would have been like, I ain't praying for you. He prays for her and she is restored. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. My God. Can I, can I be honest in here? Listen, when people are familiar with you, it, it makes it hard for them to receive from you. Listen, even, even, even listen, I'm, I'm a father first to my kids. Amen. Uh, when I preach in here, <laughs> you will be amazed sometimes, hallelujah, uh, because your kids are so familiar with you, even though you are a godly individual, it makes it real hard for them to receive from you because they are so familiar with you. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. And I don't like to talk about nobody, so I talk about myself. So, so watch this now. I could be preaching. I could be going in. I could be preaching my head off and be under a strong anointing and people are falling out, getting blessed, getting healed, People are running around the church. We're having an amazing time in the presence of God. And my teenager will be sitting there like this. <laughs> chewing gum, popping gum. Looking at her watch like. Anybody else got teenagers except me? Part, part of the reason that that happens is one word, familiarity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why Jesus in the text that I haven't got to yet <laughs> says, 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 you are not a prophet in your own home. 
and it's because of familiarity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The text that we read, I might as well start because if I don't, I won't. But the text that we read said, watch this, that they saw him and they were amazed. And they said, oh my God, he's amazing. Where's all this wisdom coming? Where did he get all this wisdom? And from verse 1 and 2, they're blown away until we get to verse 3. And they said, wait a minute. But isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Didn't we watch him grow up? That's little Jesus. That's little Jay. We know him. And they were, the Bible says, offended by him. And then the Bible says, so he could not do but one or two miracles in Nazareth because of their mentality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They did not honor him and hindered the flow. Somebody shout honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. When a, listen, when the person is unfamiliar, they receive easier because they don't know you. Yeah, I'm just one of those people that are real. I say, listen, when the person is unfamiliar, unfamiliar, they receive easier because they don't know you. They don't have a point of reference. They, they, they have nothing on the container. So all they focus on is the content. That's why, watch this, I'll preach a message here and, and, and you'll receive it, amen, but you get it all the time. And so when you get it all the time, the same way you get familiar with it. Then I'll go to a church that I got invited to to preach and they're seeing me for the first time. They don't know me. And the place will, I've experienced it myself the place will erupt and it's because they are not familiar with me so watch this never make the mistake to become too familiar number one with God or the container God is using to bless you because the moment you become too familiar with the container and focus on the frailty of the container you cheapen the value of the content. If you want the oil to flow, you have to respect the pot that it is flowing from. Are you in this place, church? Am I helping anybody in here? Hallelujah. I'm thankful, hallelujah, that as my children get older, I can see them coming out of it. You see, because my children have to get past my humanity. They have to get past the fact. I, listen, my 17-year-old has to get past the fact when I'm preaching that I took her cell phone away. Oh, that's real. That's real. See, y'all don't, y'all, oh, man. I need real people in here. Hallelujah. She, 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 she's upset because I took her phone away. She's upset because I took her car keys away because she didn't follow the rules. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so now I'm preaching and she has to get past that in order to receive. And if she, get, if she can't get past that, she ain't going to receive. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that as they're getting older, like my 20-year-old and my daughter who's about to turn 18 now, is changing. And so it takes a little while. So let me encourage a parent who has teenagers. It takes a little while. But you hang in there. Hallelujah. And it begins to happen. It begins to happen. Amen, somebody. Are you blessed in here? So, so let me give you my third point very quickly. And this is basically the gist of everything I'm saying. It's just a reiteration. Familiarity shuts the heavens and hinders your healing. I said it hinders your healing. Listen, in Nazareth, they, could, they couldn't get past Jesus' humanity, and so they couldn't receive from his divinity. Because they couldn't get past his humanity, that's Joseph's boy, the carpenter, they could not receive from his divinity. What is your perspective of Jesus? Because it makes all the difference. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And I will even submit to you, hallelujah, that we can't make the mistake to put an emphasis simply on ministry gifts. Because it's not only people that are standing up here on the pulpit who are anointed. Listen, there was only one tribe out of 12 tribes that were priests. Only one. And it was the tribe of Levi. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the Bible in the New Testament doesn't just call us priests. It calls us both priests and kings. And so watch this. We don't just rule in church. God needs some people who are anointed outside of the church to be a light and an example to a world that is lost. So you might not be called to preach. Or you might not be anointed to preach. But you are anointed to run that business. You are anointed to teach those kids in school. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God have mercy in this place. Hallelujah. Listen, let me show you this story very quickly. Hallelujah. Uh, you know what? For the sake of time, because I only got about four minutes. When you have a chance, go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 basically says the same thing as Mark chapter 6, but it adds to it. And I like the fact that Luke is so detailed because he gives us stuff that Mark did not give us. Amen. And so we already understand, hallelujah, that in Nazareth, the people could not receive from Jesus because of their poor perception of who he was. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And their uh, dishonor and their offense, hallelujah, hindered the flow. And he could only heal but a few. Amen, somebody. And that was Jesus. Amen, somebody. And so watch this. It, when we go to uh, Luke chapter 4, the story begins with Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He overcomes Satan's temptations. And the Bible says that the fame of him goes out. Now watch this. He's famous. He's getting famous. The fame of him goes out. Hallelujah. And then the Bible says that just like in Mark, he goes into the synagogue uh, on the Sabbath day. Right? He goes into the synagogue. Now this is what you got to understand. Uh, the Jewish leaders in that day did not have an iPad, did not have a cell phone. They didn't even have a paperback Bible, okay? They had what they referred to as scrolls in that day. And what they would do every Sabbath is that one of the Jewish leaders or, or the Jewish leaders would take turns. The scribes would take turns. The Pharisees would take turns reading, hallelujah, the scripture of that day. And so watch this. They would read a scripture, and then they would use some kind of pen to mark the place where they left off. So that the following Sabbath, they come into the house of the Lord, and another leader comes up to the front, and he removes the pen from where the other person last read and reads the next verse or the next portion of scripture. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's how they did it. So when you read the Bible loosely, you think that Jesus came in there... And, and just opened the Bible to where he wanted to. But that's not what happened. Oh, God, have mercy in here. So watch this. Jesus comes into the temple on that particular day. And the rabbis and the Pharisees say, hey, Jesus, why don't you read today? And so Jesus comes to read. You better catch this. Hallelujah. Jesus comes to read. Hallelujah. And he pulls the pen out from where the last Jewish leader read from. And it just so happened. Coincidence? I think not. It just so happened that he pulls the pen at the end of the 60th chapter of Isaiah. And he says, hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. He just so happened to read this. Watch this. And has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. To open up the eyes of the blind, hallelujah, and to set the captive free and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the Bible says he closed the book and then he looked at them and said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then the Bible says he sat down. What you don't understand about that is that he didn't just sit down in any chair. The Pharisees had put a chair to the side that nobody could sit on. They set it aside for the day the Messiah came. So that the day the Messiah came, he would sit in that chair. When Jesus closed the book, hallelujah, and sat down, he said, I 
am he. The thing that blows me away, hallelujah, is how he just came in that day. And that day was the day that it was the day to read that text. And so I came to tell somebody something in this place. In the same way Jesus found himself in the book, hallelujah, you're supposed to find yourself in the book. Oh, you don't hear me. Somebody, listen, listen, you're waiting for somebody to prophesy to you what you were born to do, hallelujah. Let me help you in here. There ain't no new revelation under the sun. You will find your future in the book. I found out what I was supposed to do reading the book, hallelujah. The book came alive. And one day when I was reading it, the book started reading me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in the same way that Jesus found himself in the book, he said, this is what I've been called to do. This is who I am. You're going to find yourself in the book. Ooh. You're supposed to first find, then follow, then finish your assignment. A lot of us don't get past finding. Jesus is teaching us here, you don't decide your destiny. You discover it. You find it in the book. Mm. Are you blessed in here, church? If that wasn't enough, I'm going to have to show you this. And I'll close with this right here. Watch this. Luke 4 and 22. Luke 4 and 22. You guys doing okay? We're almost done. Not after you shout today. I want to get all in your head and in your heart. Watch this. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Here they go again, right? Same story. And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me, this proverb, physician, heal thyself whatsoever we have heard done in uh, Capernaum. Uh, do also here in thy country. And we know that they did that. Watch this. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own Country. Now, now he gets into teaching a little bit. Listen to what happens next. But I tell you a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, talking about Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months. When great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias or Elijah sent, but unto Sarepta, which is the same word for Zarephath, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. That's one example. And many, here's the second example. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisus, talking about Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving, watch this, Naaman, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Now you're saying to yourself, what has that got to do with anything? I already told you that familiarity shuts the heavens over your life. Amen, somebody? Watch this. Listen to what it says. It says, in Elijah's day, there were many widows in Israel. Many widows in Israel. And the heavens were shut up over them. And Jesus is, is speaking from the, from the statement, you're not a prophet in your own home. And he says, watch this. So what I had to do is I had to move my man, I had to move my prophet out of Israel to a place called Zarephath because in Zarephath there was a woman who was a widow who was willing to honor the prophet like no widow would at his home country. God, help me in this place. So let me give you an example very quickly. Hallelujah. And I know we got to go, but watch this. You know the story. God is providing for the prophet uh, Elijah from a brook and he's using birds. Brook and birds. God is giving him water to drink during a famine. During a famine where water is scarce. He's using a brook to give the man to drink. And he's using ravens, birds to bring him food. He's using nature, right? 
But now he's getting ready to use humanity. He's getting ready to use a woman who is a widow. But he says, I can't just use any widow. I got to find one that's going to honor the word that comes out of your mouth. I got to find one that can honor the word that proceeds out of your mouth. Because the word that you release out of your mouth might make this person uncomfortable. And people are ready to receive until you start saying stuff that makes them uncomfortable. And he said, and you might end up saying something that's going to be hard for this individual to accept. And all the widows in Israel will not do what you say. But I have one. And, and when they don't do what you say, you're not sent to them, according to that text. Oh, God, have mercy in here. So I'm going to send you to Zarephath because in Zarephath there is a widow that's going to honor what you carry. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Woo, are you blessed in here? He said, I have commanded a widow to feed you there, to be a blessing to you. So watch this. He knows he's going over there because she's going to be a blessing to him. But I wonder if he knows that he's actually going to also be a blessing to her. Because that's the way it's supposed to work. Hallelujah. You're not here just to be a blessing to me. But I'm also here to be a blessing to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? So watch this. To make a long story short, he sees this woman, right? And he tells this woman, woman, get me some water. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? It hasn't rained in 42 months. 42 months, three and a half years, no rain. Water is scarce. And he says, fetch me some water. And, and this woman is experiencing the most difficult time of her life. I wonder if I got anybody who knows what I'm talking about, right? And so she basically is like, wow, this is, this is, I mean, who knows? She probably was like, man, you crazy. Because sometimes what God says to you won't make sense to you. And a lot of times God uses someone to say it. And you got to get, listen, if she said, man, you crazy, she has to get past the man. In order to do what God said through the man. Are you with me in this place? And so watch this. She, she gathers the courage somehow to go ahead and say, you know what? All right, I'm going to get some water. So as difficult as that was, right, because water is scarce, she's walking away. Check your text. Uh, you'll find this in 1 Kings, I think, chapter 17. And so she's walking away to get the water. He goes, oh, wait a minute. While you're at it, bring me a cake too. Bring me a little piece of cake, too. And so she turns around and she said, now, hold on a minute. Just in case you didn't know, all I have left is a handful of meal and a cruise of water or a cruise of oil. And I was planning on making my last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die. In other words, she's telling the man of God, listen, I'd really like to help you out, but you have come at a really bad time. Matter of fact, you have come at the worst time. And he told her, woman, bake me a cake. Get me some water first. And your meal barrel will never run dry. Now, to many people, that doesn't make sense. This is all I have left. I was going to eat it with my son and we were going to die. But how many of you know the story? Oh, God. She watched this. She moved in faith. She honored what he said, honored the vessel that it was coming from. Watch this. And as hard as it was, she ended up giving during the worst time of her life, and she never ran out. Oh, yeah. You see, our mentality, see, the kingdom is so different. Hallelujah. You know, in, 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 in the world that we live in, they tell you to hoard up. You know, when times are rough, hold on to it. 
You know what I mean? Hoard up, save it. But in the kingdom of God, when times are up, it says release it. In the kingdom, it's better to give than it is to receive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And she used her faith, honored the vessel, gave, and she never ran out. And she ate good. Her child ate good. The prophet ate good throughout the whole famine. Other people didn't eat good, but she ate good. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah, Jesus. That other widow, hallelujah, in another story of the Bible who gave her her little pot, her little cruise of oil, hallelujah, the Bible says that not only was she able to pay off her debt by giving up the little bit that she had, she lived off the rest. Because that's the kind of God that you serve when you adhere to what he says. Amen, somebody. Somebody shout honor. honor. And let me close with the last example. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and 5 is the other story that Jesus is talking about where he, main, he mentions Naaman. Now here's what you got to understand about Naaman. Naaman is a king. Naaman is a leader. And Naaman has money. Naaman is actually rich. But Naaman is also a leper. He's a leper. In other words, under all that shiny stuff, under all that armor, he has a skin condition. He has a flesh issue. Hallelujah. And if I was really teaching on that subject, I would remind you that it was pride. But that's not my assignment on today. Hallelujah. But Naaman says, watch this. I know I'm going to see an honorable man. And because I know about honor, I'm going to make sure I don't go over there empty-handed. Because that's what people who know about honor do. And so he's getting ready to go see uh, the prophet, Elisha, and he brings gifts. And the Bible says how much he brings. And so he brings gifts, and so here's what happens. Elisha sends his servant out to Naaman and says, tell him. The prophet said, the servant says, go dip in the Jordan seven times and your skin will be made whole. Naaman gets upset. And he says, you know what? I am appalled. Because I thought that he would come to me move his hand over my head and I would be healed. Because dishonorable people always come with their own ideas and always come with their own agenda. Oh God, help me in here. And though he started out in honor, the minute he moved into offense, he came out of honor. You can start out, you can start out in honor but the minute you move into offense, you are out of honor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. He said, I thought he was going to do it like this. And so dishonorable people uh, have a tendency of getting upset when you don't do something the way they thought. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Or you don't do it the way they expected you to do it. And so he said... Why don't, you, why don't you let me go to these other rivers? Where I come from, we got some really nice rivers. I don't like your river. What he's really saying is I don't like your flow. And so I want to do it my way. But it's not like that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want to do it your way, but you have to do it Yahweh. That's another name for God, just in case you didn't know. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Let me close. You know, sometimes we make faith difficult. Faith is actually easy. And we make faith difficult. Faith oftentimes is the easiest thing to do, watch this now, but the hardest thing to believe. Listen to what I'm telling you. The easiest thing to do, but the hardest thing to believe. Let me explain that right through this story. He's walking away. He's mad. He's not going to do it. And his servant comes to him. And his servant tells him, listen, if he would have asked you for something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? He asked you for something simple. And so watch this. Faith is easy. Listen, it's easy. 
What he's asking you to do is easy, but it's hard for you to believe that you're going to get your miracle from what he told you to do. He said, dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. But he didn't believe it. It was an easy thing to do. But he said, I don't believe I'm going to clean that river because that river is dirty. But if God said, get into a dirty river and you're going to come out clean, you're going to come out clean. Are you blessed in this place, church? Hallelujah. Wow. If you have had the privilege of having access to mentors, spiritual leaders, hallelujah. Here's some advice. Protect their humanity so that you can continue to receive from them. Now, I'm not saying cover sin, blatant stuff, but protect the fact that they're human so that you can continue to receive from them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And understand that if you see, just like that ark slipped, if you see them slip, that doesn't mean that you are allowed to deputize yourself to handle that. This is why, this is why when King Saul went haywire in his leadership and David could have killed him on two occasions because he was trying to kill David, David said, far be it from me to touch God's anointed. David was saying, just because he's tripping does not mean that I can deputize myself to handle that situation. I didn't call him. And the problem with many of us is that we don't believe that God still deals with his leaders. Samuel anointed him. So let Samuel deal with him. And Samuel did. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Oh, God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. I read a story in the Bible that blew me away not too long ago. Hallelujah. And it simply said, and you guys could play something back there. Hallelujah. I'm pretty much done. After Noah survived the flood, the Bible says he built an altar. Amen. And he worshiped God. But shortly after that, he slipped. Noah. The one God said, hallelujah, there's nobody righteous but him. Slipped. And if I remember the story correctly, Noah got drunk. That's not good. <laughs> he got drunk. Watch this. And he was in a cave sleeping naked. And one of his sons came in the room, watch me now, saw his nakedness, laughed, and then went to his brothers to tell them about their father's nakedness, thinking that in publicizing it, they were going to laugh. But his two brothers said, that's not funny. Take us to the cave. They went to the cave, and the two brothers, this is so powerful, they get to the cave, and they turn around. And one grabs the end of a blanket, and the other one grabs the end of a blanket, and they walk in backwards. And the Bible says they covered their father's nakedness. Somebody shout honor. This man just... He's the reason we survived the flood. And so he makes a mistake. And we want to dishonor him. They cover him. And they walk out. And to make a long story short. When the Bible talks about Noah's sons. It says two were blessed. One was cursed. Who do you think were the ones that were blessed? And who do you think? ended up cursed. Are you blessed in here today? Give God a praise offering.